0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Disney Plus Informer Podcast, your source for all the latest news, rumors, reviews, and more about Disney Plus and beyond. This is episode 36. I'm your host, Justin Eddy. We've got a very special episode for you today because Michelle was recently able to sit down for an interview with the composers of the new film, Rosalind, which is now available to stream on Hulu in the US, on Star Plus in Latin America, and on Disney Plus and all the other territories. We have Sophia Holtquist, also known as a Drum and Lace, and her husband, Ian Holtquist, uh, they're the composers for this film. Michelle uh, got to ask them some very interesting questions about some of their past experiences, what they drew upon to uh, come up with the uh, score for this movie, uh, how they were able to kind of blend uh, different emotions uh, f- from the film into the the music that they created for it. It's a really fascinating look, so please sit back, relax, and please enjoy this uh, interview Michelle did with the composers of Rosalind, Drum and Lace, and Ian Holtquist.
1: Well hi Sophia and Ian. Um, it's so nice to meet you and first of all thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Of course so I just... for having us. Oh yeah so I just watched the film Rosalind, which you both composed the music for. I absolutely loved it and congratulations because the score was just beautiful. Thank you. Um, but before we dive Into that, I was wondering if you could each tell us a bit about your musical background and what other projects you've worked on in the past?
2: Um, I, um, so I work as the name Drum and Lace. Um, I grew up in Italy and um, was always sort of the music kid, um, whether it was in my school or amongst my friends. Um, And the town is very small and it's not particularly very good when it comes to kind of like live music and music in general. But, um, you know, I started taking piano lessons when I was young, um, encouraged by my grandmother and that turned into trying to pick up different types of instruments. And by high school, I was, you know, singing all around and I was at this like small music Academy. Um, and I was kind of very academic too. So when it came to choosing, um, what I wanted to do kind of after, school um i applied to a bunch of universities and colleges that um were not music related and then i just happened to apply to berkeley college of music and um i got in and i was just like you know i really love music it's really what i love to do and um went to berkeley and when i was there sort of fell into film scoring which was something that i'd never thought about as a viable career um for various reasons just you know it wasn't I don't think technology was where it is now. And there certainly weren't many women doing it back then. Um, So, yeah, so just kind of fell into film scoring and then, you know, took some detours. But just the idea of scoring to visuals and being inspired by um, film and whatnot was kind of always there. So that's sort of how I've ended up um, where I am, a very simplified version of it.
3: (laughs) Uh, And for me, I Got into music really early on uh like around fifth grade i think i started playing alto saxophone and school band and stuff and then when i was around 12 or 13 i got my first electric guitar and that really kind of set me off on a path of like constantly playing music with people learning all the songs out here on the radio um and just kind of like always wanting to be in like a collaborative environment uh, at the same time i was i was always completely obsessed with movies i just was never necessarily like making them i was kind of more just fascinated by like how they existed <laughs> um yeah. and then when same with me when it tamed, uh, came time for college i ended up at berkeley college of music and eventually it seems like it should have been obvious right off the bat but like it took me a couple years to figure out like film scoring what i wanted to do um and then actually after i graduated i didn't go straight into it because i was in a band that was touring and i really kind of put everything i had into that for a few years and then around 2011, I kind of started to figure out that scoring might be more of like my long-term path that I want to follow. And uh, fully just started from the bottom, asking anyone I knew if I could like score their short film, local like car commercial, any anything, just to kind of get me writing music. Um, and thankfully people let me do it. And that kind of led to more, more opportunities down the line. Um, and now I've worked on films like, Animals, starring and written by David Dasmalchen, um Axel from Lakeshore, uh, Assassination Nation, and uh, the show One of Us is Lying on Peacock.
1: Wow. Okay. So well, let's go back to Rosalind. So this is a romantic comedy, which is a reimagining of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet told from the perspective of Juliet's cousin, Rosalind, who also happens to be Romeo's ex. So I love this. It, it it feels modern but yet classic too. And the score is so unique and it's described as Baroque pop, which is so fitting. So how did you create something that fits according to that Renaissance period, but also feels modern?
3: Uh, it, I think it took us a second. We, we kind of had the idea quickly on, like we wanted to try to swing for this to make kind of like a Renaissance pop score. But I think it took us a, a second to find the right footing. Um, yeah, I think when we first got into it, we were kind of writing like much bigger orchestral sounding pieces, and Karen Main, our amazing director, would kind of like guide us back and be like, "No, let's let's pare this back down a bit," and then we would end up with something closer like a string quintet, so like only five string players. And once we kind of solidified that, um, we started to really find our footing with it.
2: But we also did have to find our footing super early on because we were brought onto the movie while they were still filming because there's some on on camera music moments that they needed um, sort of settled to begin with. So we did kind of have to come up with our Renaissance ensemble sooner than later. Um, the addition of the other instruments such as synths and strings and whatnot, that sort of came like Anne was saying a little bit later. But we,, um, you know, one of the first things we were asked was to cover, the pop songs but also to choose what the band configuration was going to be like on stage you know at the at the party and so that was definitely you know got us to dive into the the creation and palette of the film almost immediately
1: um so one of the things i noticed is that the score seemed to have this like core sound or theme but almost take on its own personality during different scenes in the film. So sometimes it sounded angelic, and then you'd feel suspense and adventure and almost comedic at times. So what techniques do you use as composers to create that emotional connection to your audience?
2: That's a great question. Also, that's very astute of you to have picked up because I feel like Um, when we were working on themes, it just felt like we just kept working on like another Rosalind theme, another Rosalind theme, but essentially what ended up happening is that it's Rosalind as she interacts with someone else or something else. Um, so, you know, it's all very, the sound of the scores are all very cohesive, which, you know, kind of happened not by accident, but just, you know, just by, uh, coincidence. And then it's like, you know, uh, Roslyn's scheming theme or like as you said Roslyn's like comedy theme which happens a lot with Juliet or like uh, Roslyn's Roslyn and Dario's theme mm-hmm. um,
0: but
3: yeah I mean it was early on we we started writing these like initial themes and it, even though we knew what we wanted to do it, also, it always takes a while to find like the right way to approach it like something as simple as the croquet scene which is just like a you know like a minute, minute and a half comedy scene, took multiple attempts to really find like the right voice for it. So I think it's just like as far as how to approach it, it's just kind of like having the initial idea, but always finding the right path to it. and it's it's always a, a bit of a journey to get there.
1: Okay, so how did you even prepare for the project was there any kind of research involved beforehand or was there any inspirations you used to develop the score?
3: Uh, the, a lot of the inspirations were more just kind of like the vibe of certain films. Like we really had a lot of conversation with Karen about early 2000s rom-coms, like Can't Hardly Wait, 10 Things I Hate About You, She's All That. We wanted to try and capture whatever energy they had in those films and bring it into this world because we feel like it's been a little bit since we've seen that in a comedy. Yeah. Um, as far as musically, you know... I think the only research we did really was like when they asked us to do those songs, we quickly were like, "Okay, what are Renaissance instruments? What's what's still available today? What can actually play fast notes that would work in a pop arrangement? Um,
2: And what what could we get? You know, who exists as a player that can play these for our live sessions um, and whatnot?
3: And then, yeah. And then after that, I think it was just a lot of experimentation of trying out these themes and seeing what actually stuck to picture and what didn't.
1: So, how does the collaboration process work with two composers? Do you bounce ideas off each other? Did you always have the same vision for the sound?
2: Yeah, I think we um Ian and I have been working together for a very long time. I mean, we we met in college and we started kind of collaborating on short films and uh, playing on each other's scores when we were right out of college. And then we had uh, kind of like a side project band together. So, you know, we've sort of been working together for so long that it all comes very naturally. So when it comes to scoring and a project like Rosalind, we we're just always, we're in, you know, watching the same thing at the same time, we're in the studio at the same time. um, And we're just sort of, somebody will have an idea and we'll start the cue or we'll like, you know, start writing a specific theme. And then, you know, the other person comes in and adds a little bit, and then it kind of goes back and forth like that. And I feel like we were both very inspired. I think not necessarily in different ways, but I really think that the score reflects both of our musical personalities um, in a really great way. And, you know, there's definitely some cues that are like, oh, this is what, this sounds more like Ian, or it sounds more like me. But then there's other um, themes and cues, such as the horse escape one, where it feels like such a great coming together of our styles.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: So, yeah, we do everything together like all the time
1: (laughs) (laughs) so did you have any challenges like what would you consider to be the biggest challenge when composing the score for this film
3: i think uh first just like finding the right like band arrangement basically like getting the right sound making sure we weren't going too big and like too outside of karen's vision and then secondly um a lot of the comedy thing comedy scenes were really difficult um so, and I always say whenever I anyone asks us, like comedy is one of the hardest things we find to score, even though we do it a lot, just because it's it's hard to do it well. Um, it, it's very easy to like have comedy music fall flat or just like kind of be even more silly than it needs to be. And I think we always find if comedy on screen is really good, it doesn't necessarily need music. So I think finding the right way to approach those is always a challenge. And this film was no op- no different
1: so just in general what is the most important element to you in creating a piece of music
3: hmm i guess for me it's it's just like that we're serving the film the right way that we're the the music that we're writing is like doing what it's supposed to on screen it's not stepping on toes as far as like dialogue or getting in the way of the story and it's a uh, it should feel like the right fit for what's happening.
2: Yeah, and just, you know, always supporting the visual and the overall vision um, of the director and, you know, as he, like, exactly what Ian said.
1: Now, do you have any advice for aspiring composers? Uh, Yeah, just honestly, I say this all the time, just be nice,
2: be a nice person and be open to other people's thoughts and ideas. And also not, don't have an ego because, you know, even this project, even the best project, even the smoothest project, um, you always have to remember that, you know, like, like we were just saying you're brought in to amplify and to expand on someone else's vision. And, you know, chances are they've been working on this film for years before you even get brought in. So it's just really important to stay humble and to just, you know, always be grateful to it's amazing how much like a thank you or just like a a note of kindness can go such a long way in this industry. Um, just because everyone works so hard, then very often people just don't have the time to stop. Um, and another big advice is like always follow up because I feel like that's something early on even that we didn't used to do. Um, just, you know, if you have a meeting or if you meet someone, just, you know, just follow up because it's it's just good to show that you're interested. Um,
3: yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with everything Sophie said. I think it is all that. I think there's also like show that you have drive and ambition, but without being overwhelming mm-hmm. to, to another person. Um yeah, I think it's and like also another thing is like have confidence in yourself, but also you don't want to come off too overly confident because we've seen we we've seen both games. We see young composers who like really need confidence boosts and which is fine. Uh, but then we see some people who just seem like they know everything mm-hmm. and And like, so and I've been doing this for 10 years, almost like we don't know anything at all. Like, I feel like we're just getting started. So I think just kind of like really being humble um, uh, about how you approach people.
2: And also have a sound. Don't try to sound like someone else because that person's already doing a really good job. So just like try to develop your own sound because that's, that's kind of what's worked for us to just kind of do what we do best. And
1: thankfully people have been resonating with it. You know, that's such great advice. And just in general, you know, for any situation, that's good advice. Um, so, finally, if someone wants to follow you or your work, how can they do that? Do you have a website or can you be found on social media? Yeah, I think we're both pretty
2: good on social media. Um, I'm at Drum and Lace, spelled out um, on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm pretty active on both. Um, I also have a YouTube where I have some. Um, well, music videos, but also uh, live improvisations and some like techie videos. Um, and that, you know, is just searching for Drum and Lace on YouTube. Um, and then I also have a website, but it's it's not as much fun as a social media, I wouldn't say. Um, <laughs> yeah. And obviously on Spotify and, you know, all of the music platforms as well.
3: Yeah, same for me. You can find me at, at iHolquist on Instagram and Twitter. And then uh, all my music is on all the multiple music streaming platforms.
1: Well again, thank you guys so much uh for taking the time to talk to us. I really it was just a pleasure to talk to you too. And I wish you the best. And I hope I get to chat with you again in the future too. Thanks
0: yes, so much.
1: I hope so too. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You have a good day. Okay.
3: Bye. Bye bye.
0: All right. Thank you so much again to uh, Sophia and Ian for taking the time to uh, sit down with Michelle for that. Really fascinating stuff. Again, Rosalind is now available to stream on Hulu in the US, Star Plus in Latin America, and on Disney Plus in all the other territories great job by michelle there uh with those uh interview questions i know that's never uh, an easy thing to do uh thank you so much everyone for joining us that's going to do it for this episode please take a moment to rate review and subscribe to our podcast we would totally appreciate that be sure to visit us at disneyplusinformer.com for all the latest news rumors reviews release schedules and more you can email us at podcast at disneyplusinformer.com uh you can also follow us on twitter at more disney plus stop by and visit our facebook page until next time we'll you. See you later. Bye.